And uh, this is uh, KFI, and uh, good morning on a Saturday. Oh, lots uh, to cover. Well, of course, we have all the uh, questions uh, have to be answered uh, that you folks have in the world of uh, legal, legalese, and the uh, big, big election on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Well, on Wednesday, we'll be picking all of it up, of course. Uh, John Thomas is joining me Wednesday morning, and you do not want to miss that because you ever seen a midterm that was this contentious? I don't remember ever, ever, ever doing that, uh, which makes it particularly good. All right, guys. Uh, what well, Phone number 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Lines open because it is top of the hour. All right, let's do it. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. You know, there are lawsuits and then there are lawsuits. And we here in the United States, well, particularly California, but across the United States, because uh, the rest of the country follows very quickly what California does, especially in the world of law. Uh, Here's a lawsuit out of St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Uh, There is a young kid or young man, John Doe, because he's under 18, whose uh, mother filed a lawsuit, I guess, on her on his behalf. And and why did she file a federal lawsuit against uh, the school that uh, her son attends? Because he did not make the varsity soccer team. And therefore, as part of uh, the not allow, not making the team, their policy is to not allow anyone, him, to play on the JV team. The attorney for the woman says the issue is age and sex discrimination. And because the school official said, uh, real simple, if a junior goes after the varsity team, does not make the team, the kid does not come back and play on the junior varsity team, which he was already at. And this is to allow the lower grade students a chance to develop their skids, uh, their skills so they can be prepared to try out for varsity. And the mother is said, um, no, no, he is good enough to play on the same team uh, as the JV team. As a matter of fact, he's good enough to play on the varsity team and wants a judge to make that determination. So the coach sends a family an email saying that, uh, that um, John Doe is on the bubble when it comes to picking varsity team members. The boy has holes in his technical ability and game decision-making are questionable. Now, this one I don't understand. The family appeals the coach's ruling to the superintendent. How does the superintendent decide the kid is good enough to play or not play? What, the coach, you can appeal that to a superintendent? That's bizarre. All right? And, of course, the superintendent said, no, 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 the complaint unsubstantiated. Now, the suit says that her son is the victim of age and gender discrimination because the rules are different for the girls' soccer team. Now, that is uh, interesting. Although I think uh, if it's rational, uh, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, for example, girls uh, girls have to play flag football. They're not allowed to play tackle football, and there are a few other differences. Uh, so in court, uh, the uh, coach says... That seven juniors were cut from the varsity team that were not, and then were not good enough to play with the JV team as part of the policy. 
And the reason he said such nice things to John Doe and about John Doe was to build his self-esteem and not punch him in the gut after being cut from the varsity team. The lawyer for uh, Doe introduced his document. He said, look, player performance ratings given by the coaches show that John Doe is better than some of the boys who made varsity. Therefore, uh, he has to be reinstated on the varsity team or at least play on the JV team. Where do you think that one's going to go? Mom files a lawsuit. Kid can't make the varsity team. Let's appeal that issue. I wonder if the court is now going to say, yes, he can make the varsity team based on the judge's vast knowledge of football in that school and that skill set. Does he go out and watch the kid play football? And what if the kid has a bad day? Do they appeal that and say, you caught him on a bad day? Therefore, I mean, it is crazy-making for sure. Uh, Patty, let's start with you. Hi, Patty. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. My parents had a property for over 40 years, a residential estate with multiple homes on it. My father was uh, put in hospice. I, I was taking care of him, and he became suspicious of his uh, living trust, Mommy Dearest divorced him about 10 years prior to his becoming ill. So uh, he asked for a copy of it. She wouldn't give it to him, so he asked me to get a lawyer, and he got a very good lawyer who changed his his trust. He uh, assigned me as the executor, and I have three siblings. When he When he did that and she received notification of it, she called social services. They ruled it out because my father was totally coherent and uh, he had all his wits about him. When he passed, my mother sued me, claiming that I forged a signature. It was thrown out of court. Uh, tried to sue me again. Uh, that was thrown out of court. She took it to a different court with her attorney. The third time it was botched because her attorney was disbarred for frivolous filings. So now... Um, the property is still sitting there. Uh, they were 50% owners. So half of the estate... Each, wait a second. Each of them were 50% owners? Yes. Okay, so is uh, the mom... Uh, they were or, okay, so is the ex suing for the other 50%? Yes, she was. Oh, she wants the whole... Out. She wants the entire amount. Yes, she does. She okay. the whole property. All right. It was thrown out. $50,000 later, I've paid attorney fees. Okay, um, so, so what's, your, what's your question? It's a, it, well, the property, uh, the houses are rented except for my house and her house. And uh, three times uh, we've tried to sell the property. She agreed to it, and then she keeps backing out. Okay. This last time they were going to buy us out at a very low price, and I just wanted it done because I need peace and I need to move on. And my siblings are thankfully not greedy. Nobody's, you know, on our end is greedy. So now, uh, since the property is not subdivided, we have that issue. Well, what do we do now? Do we take it to court to get a subdivision to order a sale? Why? Wait, wait a second. Why? What do you mean the property is not subdivided? Everybody own the property. It's if it's a question, she's buying you out, and you've agreed to it. You just sign everything over to her. So I don't quite understand. Uh, what, she what backed the, uh, out again. Oh, she backed out again. Well, you have to file a lawsuit yeah. against her again to force the sale, first of all. Uh, that starts uh-huh. uh, a partition, and the court will sell the property, by the way. Probably, right, at, a, right. probably at a better price than you have. Also, I would sue her for abusive process. 
interference with contract, oh. abuse of process. Oh, yeah, you got to, yeah, based on what you told me, you have to get a pretty aggressive attorney. I think there's a yeah. good lawsuit against her. So, uh, your attorney has not yet filed, has not uh, filed for partition. We that's that would be our next step. Then that's what you have to do. You have to get an attorney and file for partition. The court will order the sale. She will get half of it. You will get half of it. And she will not be able to stop the sale. And she's going to be sued by you for uh, abuse and uh, I would argue interference with contract. Just a bunch of stuff. You need a lawyer. What What about attorney fees? Uh, you're. I would take them. Well, in when you're talking about abuse of process, the other side pays attorney's uh-huh. fees. You, okay. just, you just have to find because, um, uh, you just have to find uh, a good lawyer uh, that's uh, willing to do this, and that's it. All right, uh, let me tell you a little bit about LifeLock. You know, over a billion records have been stolen through breaches in recent years: names, addresses, social security numbers. Which means that uh, three times per person in the United States, man, woman, and child, have had security breached. And so how do you deal with that? Well, the big risk, or one of the big risks, of course, is identity theft. And this is what LifeLock does. It protects against identity theft. And boy, do I know that. They pull my chestnuts out of the fire. And so I've been a customer for 10 years, my entire family, because every single person is susceptible. The other thing that LifeLock now has is Norton Security as part of their service. And Norton Security protects devices against viruses, malware, ransomware. You put the two together, and now you've got some pretty serious detection and protection. Uh, No one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor every transaction, every business. But new LifeLock with Norton. Boy, is that ad protection and detection service. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. You'll get an additional 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE or Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. That's 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. And we could pull this off or push away. Because you and me have always been so close. So close to giving up. So close to going all the way. Handle here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Steve, you got a half-interesting one. Hello, Steve. Hey. Yes. I went into the car dealership to buy a car at an advertised price. It was low for the Internet. And I took a test drive. They generated paperwork. I wanted to buy it. And on the paperwork, they had four ups. For a total of $2,700, the financing, which I didn't need, the coding, which they didn't do, those were two that they didn't do and admitted they didn't, and then there were two they said they did. But by that time, I didn't believe them, and I just said, I want the advertised price, and they, they refused to sell me the car. Okay. This is a reputable dealer. Okay. And I just wanted to buy it for this price. Right. And did you? Okay. Stuff. Is there anything in now? Usually, when cars are advertised in microscopic print at the bottom, uh, it'll say fees and costs, et cetera, excluded. Uh, you're saying none of that uh, appeared. Well, I printed it out and I took a look at the bottom. Yeah. And um, I actually showed the guy the. Um, the Kelly Blue Book thing, 
And he no, no, says, forget well, about the really- Kelly Blue Book. I'm talking about the ad that the ad that the dealership put up. Did it have language at the bottom saying that the price, the sales price, does not include, and then all this garbage fees does not include fees and costs, et cetera? I only looked at the Kelly Blue Book. I'll have okay. to look at. Yeah, the you other have one, to though. look at that because trust me, they've covered their asses. Okay. Did you buy the car? They refused to sell me the at car at that price. price all right, got it. So go to all right. So go to they'll have sales like that again. Go to another dealer. You're not going to force the yeah. issue. I mean, what are you going to do? Spend a ton of money for a lawyer because small claims court isn't going to give it to you. What you're going to do is you're asking that the court. Uh, order them to sell it to you at uh, the sales price. And their defense is, here's the document, and there's where it says fees are excluded. Where would you like to go with that? Got it. Yeah, you're so out of luck on that. Uh, uh, yeah, Dolores. Hello, Dolores. Hello there. Yes, ma'am. Um, I hope you can help me. Okay. Uh, I have um, been without my dog now for a couple of months. I had a dog for seven years, and uh, I became very ill. I have a daughter that loved the dog, and she would come and take him for walks, and she would take him to her house for a couple of days over the weekend, and uh, he became attached to her. But when I became very ill and I could not take care of him, I asked her, would she take him? And she did. Now, she has a boyfriend and he does, he's not an animal lover. I think he resented the dog, and I, I can't go into his mind, but uh, make a long story short, um, he got out a couple of times while Who? she was poor. The boyfriend? The <laughs> yeah. The dog yeah. got out a couple of times. All right. Yes. So the second time he was at the pound, and he, he's chipped, so so he, was, he came back to her. And... Um, her boyfriend suggested that the dog go to his aunt, and that's where the dog is now, and he's been there. Um, and I asked her if I could have the dog back, and she said she'd have to talk to her boyfriend. And uh, and I guess he must have decided and told her that the dog wasn't coming back. Because wow, dog, this is your daughter? Yeah, the dog is. And, the, and knows that the dog is yours? And is still yes. and is still doing this to you, Dolores. Well, that that's what I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm baffled. All right, Dol- yeah, it's ba- Dolores. Let me ask something. Do you have any money? I'm do sorry. Do, yeah, money? do you have an estate? Do, do you have a will or a trust? Yes, I. Okay, do. and is there a, there is there a substantial amount of money in it? Mm, uh, not not a great great amount, but it. I mean, it, it's enough to, you know. How, how, how much? How much? How much? I'm just curious. How much money do you have? I'm going to be practical say, here. How much is I in the? Say, I'd say about a hundred thousand. Okay, and is the daughter the? Uh, is that the only uh, child you have? No, I have others. Okay, uh, well, uh, just as a practical measure, I would call your daughter. I go mm-hmm. and I'd say, kid, I hope this dog is worth forty thousand dollars or whatever the amount, because that's the money I'm not going to leave you. I'm screwing you out of money. So tell the boyfriend, uh, congratulations, and you're not and you're not getting the money at all. So there you go. I have a situation with my daughter. She she wants tattoos, right? And I let her know in no uncertain terms it's going to be the most expensive tattoo you've ever had in your life because I don't believe in tattoos. And if it's worth it for you, your sister gets all of it. Hey, God bless you. 
And, of course, uh, there's no tattoos on her body. Now, I'm, that's just a practical way of doing it. Now, mm-hmm. can you go to court, Dolores? Probably. But you're going to talk about some money. The other well, possibility is taking money and telling Dolores, uh, telling your daughter, hey, uh, the money that I would leave you, I'm now using to file a lawsuit to get my dog back. How can you do this to me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all you can do other than go to court, Dolores. I mean, it's just what a daughter. Uh, what a piece of work. Uh, so anyway, I don't know what you did to her. I don't know why, why she did this probably under the, probably under the influence of the boyfriend Svengali. I have no idea, but that's such a tough way to go on that. You know, and I know you can love a dog. I can't, uh, but I know how close you can get to dogs. Uh, not, I, I've never been that close to a dog. I've had dogs. And in many cases, uh, I wish my daughter's uh, boyfriend would take the dog, but, uh, still, oh, just is she, Dolores sounded like she was really broken up, wasn't she? Yeah, obviously. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. And uh, good morning on a Saturday, uh, Handle. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case whatsoever. Jeannie. Hello, Jeannie. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, ma'am. My, hus- uh, my husband and I took out a loan at the credit union, and I still owe 100000 Um My property was put up as collateral. I had a trust made, and his name is no longer on the property. When I went to the credit union, I found out only his name is on the loan. Um, do I start to pay? Oh, of course you do. You don't get a free okay. house. Uh, what, with a $100,000 mortgage? Uh, first of all, the collateral is there. Oh, no, it, it's not. The loan was uh, taken out for house repairs. Well, and but you're talking about the, can... the original loan, right? The original mortgage? Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. you have to, of okay. course it has to be paid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all you have to do in that case, everybody would kill their spouse. And uh, not have to owe any money. Like, yeah, that's not too bad an idea, but that it's difficult. Uh, the law makes it uh, virtually impossible to do that. Jim. Hi, Jim. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay. My situation is uh, this young man contacted me that said when he worked for me three months ago, a block of wood fell down uh, from either the scaffold or the roof and hit him on the head, and he has been going to the doctor. Now the doctor says uh, he needs to go see a specialist, mm-hmm. and he wants my insurance information. What am I up against here? Uh, you, get, you give it to your insurance company because you have uh, your, insur- your insurance company uh, calls for coverage for casual labor. I'm assuming this was casual labor, correct? Yes. All right. I mean, it wasn't you, it wasn't a contract that you had with someone. None of that. It was just a guy who was doing work for you. Yeah, we was putting an addition on my home. Whoa, whoa! So that was you contracted with a contractor who wasn't a contractor. That's actually even better because if he was working there and he should have been a licensed contractor, he's going to have a real problem collecting. Uh, so anyway, just turn it over to your insurance company, your home insurance company. They'll take care what of it. A- what if uh, I, he was charging me by the hour? Doesn't matter. It's all the same. If you're charging by the hour, but you still can do time and material, turn, your insurance company will deal with that. You know, you, you, you make sure you have a ca- casual labor policy, or you're hiring a lawyer. 
But you probably know most homeowner policies do. They don't think about it, but virtually every homeowner's policy. A humpback whale had become entangled in rope. All right. Uh, Don. Hello, Don. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. I have a business in Long Beach that's been put out of, put out of business by another company. How so? Um, uh, I, we have a boatyard, and the water space, the ocean, in the port, they went around the back to the Tesoro oil company who leased the land and got the lease away from my landlord and then put, in fact, put a, a barge in front of my crane where I could not work. Oh. Closed it down. Okay. So Do I have any recording? Yeah, you might. You might. You may have a uh, – and you have a lease, correct? Yes. Okay. And you have a lease with, uh, with the landlord of the facility? On the property, yeah. Okay, and Tesoro uh, has uh, owns the property behind that. They 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 lease the property and the water space from the Port of Long Beach. Okay, and, they- and uh, yeah, I, you got a case. So it's a lot complicated for sure because you're dealing with a port, you're dealing with uh, Tesoro, uh, you're dealing with uh, the people who are leasing from Tesoro. I guess that put up the barge. Yeah, you've got a, a a big mess on your hands. You're certainly going to need a lawyer on this one. There's no no chance you're going to do this on your own. But I think right. uh, there's a, from from what you say, there is a, a decent case for interference with contractual relations. I mean, they, from what you sound like, they did push you, put you out of business. Also, there's pre, uh, predatory business practices involved here too. You've got some stuff going on. What kind of lawyer? How do I pick one? Uh, well, you can go to the web. You can go to my website, handleonthelaw.com. You've got uh, you can go to real estate. You can go to business lawyer, uh, civil lawyer, because this is pretty. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, the, the legal premise is pretty simple. Now, uh, in the weeds with you, that's not so simple. There's a lot of uh, pages on this one. You've got a lot of a uh, lot of T's and a lot of I's to dot. Okay, what what other cliche can I come up with? Uh, you've got a lot of uh, you got a line to navigate. That's even better because navigation, water, et cetera. Uh, but anyways, uh, and, and just uh, start calling lawyers or doing an email blast, and you'll find someone. Uh, Handleonthelaw.com. We've got uh, several lawyers that could probably do it. Especially what you want one that hates uh, Tesoro. Uh, I think it's an oil company, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ted, or is that Todd? Hey, Ted, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking. Thank you for taking my call. I'm sure. For my wife, who's a disabled senior, she raked up some uh, medical bills. Uh, her mother, who's 94, living in Miami, Florida, wanted to help her, so she went to Wells Fargo and um, asked for a loan secured by her little home to help her daughter. So she got a loan for approximately uh, fifty, sixty thousand, at seven and a half percent. Well, after a few years, the market rates were way lower than that, so we advised the old lady to go back to the uh, to the bank and request a low rate. She went there twice. Uh, both times they told her that she doesn't qualify for any rate, for any loan, because her income is way too low okay. for, for a loan. And uh, at that time, uh, she, she just doesn't understand. How do they qualify her? In the first place, uh, because it's they viewed their policy has changed and they're looking at maybe a higher income level to uh, pay for the loan because interest rates have dropped and they want less risk. There is a million different reasons they can do that. Point is, they can do that. Just refi the loan. Ted, just find another company to refi the loan, putting up the house for collateral. And what they'll do is they'll pay off that loan. Uh, give you a second loan of which the house will be collateral 
And that's how you do it. You can't force a bank to uh, change the terms of your loan. You can't do that. All you can do is pay it off. Even under current market conditions? Yeah, yeah, they don't care. It doesn't, you know, they're not forced to do that. What, you think there's a law that says you have a 5% loan, and when interest rates drop to 4%, they have to give you 4%? Now, there are certain loans that do that, but that's written into the loan documents. But isn't that against the law? To no, 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 it is not. No, it is not against the law to not lower the, uh, the interest rate. No, you don't, you don't have a right to do that. Well, it's not fair. Well, you can argue all you want whether it's fair or not, but uh, the bank can say, no, no, well, lowering the rate at all. We don't care what the interest rate is. Now, they generally don't do that. Well, in many cases, they don't because they want to stay competitive, but so what? This is Handle on the Law. If only yesterday. Here on a Saturday morning, we have lines open, 800-520-1534. You probably won't have to wait. That's uh, 800-520-1534 for your impertinent questions. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Hey, Sam, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Okay, I have a, I have a question about a lemon law. Uh, my uh, truck uh, ended up being a lemon, so uh, Chrysler Financial finally said, "Okay, we'll pay you your money back." When I and they uh, arranged it uh, so I could take it back to the dealer, so they can pay me, leave the truck, and they can pay me. And when I took it back to the dealer, they charged me uh, three thousand two hundred dollars uh, for uh, dings and repairs and all you know all that scratches. And then recently I spoke to someone who did the same thing, and he said they can't charge you because it's a lemon. They can't resell the truck. Well, and I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I It depends on, uh, obviously, how the lemon law is written. But uh, just because it is a lemon, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they can't resell it. And I don't know the answer. That was just your friend saying that? Uh, as opposed to uh, as opposed to looking it up yeah, under the terms of the one lemon of my, law, he's he's one of the guys you know uh, who does AC and all, all that. You know, I'm a general contractor, but and he does uh, air conditioning. So, uh, did he have a, a car that yeah. where that happened to where they uh, they yes. didn't charge he, he him? Had it done on his truck. Okay, now the question: no. Did he have dings? Uh, and uh, yes, and his truck was used as for. Oh, track, so you know, so it could be that it's just uh, the dealership where he took it back to. Uh, that says no, that uh, can waive that. So uh, there's two things you have to do is uh, look up the Lemon Law, which I don't have available to me, and it's real simple. You look up the terms of the Lemon Law. And if it says they must uh, not deal with uh, any scratches, in other words, if, let's say you come back with a car that's completely banged up, right? Uh, you're, what you're saying is it doesn't matter. You could have destroyed the car, and if it's a lemon under the lemon law, they have to take it back without paying you, without uh, charging you for any repairs whatsoever. Right? Because yeah, you, because it, okay, and the you, lawyer said they can't resell it. Okay, the lawyer whose so his lawyer said that, and I don't know no, if that's my lawyer. My lawyer. Okay, then uh, I hired a lawyer to, to do right. that job. All right. So my so what's your question? Well, when I contacted my lawyer, he said, "No, no, they can. They have. They can't sell the law." Uh, okay. Truck, so, so, what's your question? Do I have a Do I have a case? You have a lawyer who's representing you, who right. obviously has read the Lemon Law, and I haven't. 
when you when you have a lawyer, it says my lawyer said, and know something about the case, you can't come back to me and go, uh, well, gee, uh, do I have a case? Uh, because here's here's what I would do, Sam. I would say, well, since I don't have the Lemon Law in front of me and I have not read that statute, why don't you get a lawyer? And then you come back and say, Bill, I have a lawyer. So where do I go with that, Sam? Precisely. Yeah, go figure. All right, Ken. Hey, Ken, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes. Uh, My brother-in-law lives in England, Mm -hmm. my wife's uh, brother, and he has prepared a will through a lawyer to my wife, and we have a copy. Is it? uh, Do we need to show it to a lawyer or uh, notarize it or anything to do with it? No. Is it a valid will in England? It is, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's uh, valid here. Uh, Here's what normally happens is whenever there are contracts or wills, et cetera, uh, that are done and you sue in your state uh, and they're out of state and and they allow you or California specifically, what California will do is sit in court but take the other law into account. In other words, if I here's I think this is the case and you may want to call a trust and estate lawyer. And that is the will is valid. They accept the will. There's no question about that. Now the issue is, let's say uh, there is a contest and there's a court issue. Uh, Then you can take the case to court here and they have to apply the other law. They They won't apply California law. That's what I think is going to happen. But the will is totally valid. I mean, there's uh, no question about it. The will works. And we're and we're and yeah, it's fine as long as it meets the criterion for the will. I think over in England, where is uh, the property that they're leaving you? It's in London. Oh, then why wouldn't you open up a will? Uh, just open up a probate there. How much money? Okay. You, how much money are you talking about here? Uh, I know he owns a flat about two hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, okay. So you're talking about uh, two hundred thousand pounds. You're talking what? Uh, two hundred fifty thousand bucks, give or take. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, that's worth it just to hire a lawyer in England. That just makes it so much easier. And uh, something it, happens, or what do you mean? Now? If he passed away, or well, that's the whole now? point. Yeah, no, not now. There's nothing. To, there's nothing uh, to do now. It's when okay. he dies. Uh, you hire an estate lawyer over there, uh, and uh, they just go through the procedures. See, if no one contests it, then it's a question of just filling out the paperwork. Uh, you know, the money goes into an account, the assets, either a, an executor, and I think they probably work the same way. Uh, an executor has been named in the will. And if not, uh, the court will name an executor who sells off the assets unless you want to keep the flat. And is your wife the only beneficiary? Yes. Oh, then it's her call. She can do whatever the hell you want. Then it's just, a, then it is simply transferring the name, the ownership to your wife. And that's a fairly simple thing to do. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. And is it worth to kill your brother-in-law? Maybe. And not for that amount of money. You know, if it was several million dollars. And it's not unusual for a flat, an apartment building, or an apartment that you own over there. It's basically a condo. And that uh, they can be really expensive in London. I mean, that's science fiction prices when you go to London. This is Handle on the Law. This is uh, KFI AM uh, 640 on a uh, Saturday morning. Phone number 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Going to be another warm day. This is Southern California. You know, we're into uh, November, and uh, it's feeling pretty good. 
I love this town, particularly the traffic. There's something about it that just makes you really enjoy driving around for hours and hours and hours to get uh, two miles. You betcha. Oh, also, Tuesday, of course, is the election, and uh, we will be carrying it like crazy. So uh, stay tuned to KFI. And then Wednesday, uh, of course, uh, the analysis afterwards. What happened? What happened? All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I, Bill Handel, tell you whatever your name is, uh, you have absolutely no case. All right. Uh, a really interesting case out of uh, Utah. And I had no idea that uh, this happens in Utah. Uh, let me first start with California law. And that is uh, if you get divorced in California and alimony, spousal support, is issued, pending the spouse who is receiving support getting married, it stays. The spouse can shack up, screw whoever he or she wants. I get calls all the time. Oh, my wife cheated on me. Uh, I don't want to pay support. Who cares? Hey, the law says... There's no fault. There's no your spouse can have sex with anybody or anything he or she wants to have, and it has nothing to do with divorce. Not the case in Utah. Uh, in Utah, according to the Utah Court of Appeals, if uh, the the ex shacks up with someone else, you may not have to pay alimony. Uh, this was just handed down uh, last week. The state appeals court upheld a lower court's decision to cut off a woman's $7,000 a month alimony payments after the court determined she'd begun living with her new boyfriend. Now, there is a very interesting argument here I want to share with you. First of all, you go way back. The case began 10 years ago. They, the couple divorced. Four years later, uh, a, uh, the man, he's paying a support to his wife, and he suspects that his ex is living with someone else, so he hires private detectives to tail her. And then he gets the evidence, goes to the court to terminate her alimony payments. And uh, he wins. So up on appeal, uh, the whole issue was challenging what the lower court judge said was cohabitation. And the issue in Utah, if you are cohabitating, it's the same as getting married to someone else. And there is the difference. So then they went into the definition of cohabitating. And the judge uh, wrote, there are three factors that add up to cohabitation. Now, keep in mind, if you are cohabitating, you're married. Therefore, spousal support just stays. And so the court ruled, our Supreme Court has identified three general hallmarks that constitute cohabitation. A shared residence an intimate relationship, and a common household involving shared expenses and shared decisions. Unfortunately for the wife, all three were found. Not a lot of issue there. No controversy. So you know what the court said? Alimony out. Seven grand finished. Now here in California, the law is very specific. It is marriage. And so what ends up happening? Well, uh, of course, what people do is they shack up and they don't get married. Who in their right mind is going to give up uh, a huge chunk of money, particularly if you're talking about some substantial spousal support, uh, and let that go away uh, just because you want to get married to someone who needs marriage? Oh, just to let you know, 
that uh, children born out of wedlock, over 50% of the kids born out of a wedlock here in the United States. No one cares if you're married or not. No one absolutely cares. Got to remember with, oh, Marjorie. I, I asked Marjorie to live with me uh, when we, we, early on before we got married. She said, no. No, I'm not living with you until we are married. She said the same thing about putting out. And it was, uh, so you get married. Then you, you hit the sack and you go, you know what? I, was that worth it? Okay, let's go ahead and uh, take some uh, phone calls. What do you think? Uh, Valerie. Hi, Valerie. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. My yes. son-in-law and my daughter had a baby two years ago, and he has a business for himself, his, which is always teetering on the brink of bankruptcy and so on. And with the baby, I said, do you have life insurance? And, of course, the answer was no. And me and his mother got together and said, you got to get life insurance. Well, Supposedly he got life insurance, but I have never seen the proof of it, nor has my daughter. Yeah. So the question is, <clears throat> I would be the one my daughter fell to, came to, if things didn't work out, her and the baby. Okay. Do I have a vested interest in getting life insurance on my son-in-law? Yeah, I think you do. Uh, and I think uh, based on the circumstances, uh, the insurance company will issue a life insurance policy. Now, I don't think there's law that says no to that, but uh, there has to be, according to, from what I understand, life insurance policy, there has to be a good reason for it. You can't just do it out of the blue. Uh, they just won't issue the policy. Uh, but if, you, if you're talking about, we're talking about my grandchild, to protect my grandchild, and there's a life insurance policy. I don't think uh, there's there's any issues. As a matter of fact, life insurance policies are given as gifts under those circumstances. I was willing to pay for it. Of course you're going to pay for it because you're taking out the life insurance policy. But he said no. I don't think he, he can say no. Here. I don't think he can say no. He did. I'm sorry? He did. Yeah, I understand. But it's not a question of him. It's a question of you own the policy if you're paying for it. I, I agree. All right. But, so I don't, so he says no. All right. Now what? You take out the policy. He, can, he, the, he can't cancel. Will the life insurance company give it to me? Yes, probably. Especially now, as I said, because you have, a, you have a truly vested interest in protecting your grandchild. When he was going through the process, and I said to him, you know, I'd like to see the policy. It doesn't matter. He, what he said was. It doesn't matter. They won't issue it to you. How do you know? Because he, okay. because he said it. Have you, t- have you contacted the insurance company? No, we, we can't even see the policy. It's somewhere on You buy computer. a separate policy. Yes. Then just it. do it. I, 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 tomorrow. Yeah, Monday. I don't know why not. Because he said... Then there will be the issue of... They may have an issue of uh, getting a... Uh, there may be an issue of getting a physical, but if, if you're talking about a, a smaller amount of money... Uh, they're probably not going to issue, they're not going to have a, a physical done on him. If you're getting a $2 million policy, yeah, they're probably going to ask for a physical. And he can say no to that. But you have to deal with the insurance company. But you're buying the policy. You own the policy. I know. He can say no all day long. Well, what he said. All right. Thank you. What he said. It doesn't matter what he said. Let's go through it again. All right. 15 times. But he said this and he said that. 
my understanding is uh, no, it's, especially with the argument. You know, hey, it's it's for my grandchild. Well, it makes sense to me. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday morning, 800-520-1534. That's the number. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Hey, uh, Georgia. Hello. Hello. Yes, ma'am. I signed a paper at uh, Los Encinas. Okay, I'm sorry. You signed a paper where? Los Encinas. The police department from Covina came to my house. Oh, the the police department came to your house. Okay. Well, it was a misunderstanding. All right. Because I I never asked for for this. Uh, I never mentioned suicide, but this uh, food stamp worker she misunderstood. Because, but I never. And they came with guns. Okay, wait a second. They, you were hold on. You were reported to about to commit suicide by someone else who misunderstood. Correct. That's right. Okay, and the po- and the police. The okay, and the police show up with guns drawn. Yes. Wow. They, they and and after they took me there, uh, they took you where? Los Encinitas. Well, La- what I does it mean? The where- city, Los Encinitas. It's a hospital. Oh, oh, it's a mental facility. Yes, that's correct. Go- okay. They didn't, they didn't tell me that. I asked them where are we going. They wouldn't tell me. Okay. The police officer that was driving, after we got there, I engaged him in conversation and asked him, how would you feel if somebody did this to your daughter? It just came and, and yanked him. I feel kidnapped. And I, I said, what would, how would you feel? I said, I'm pretty upset, as you can see. I was crying, and uh, this made me cry, of course. But they handcuffed me and put me in the police car. But anyway. And all you were, um, wait a sec, and all you were saying is, is how would you feel? There was, you weren't resisting, you were just talking, correct? I wasn't resisting, Okay, no, so they just, for no, for, so for no I reason mean, they handcuffed you? Well, because somebody, uh, it must have been this uh, food stamp worker, that's who I had on the phone. I had made an appointment. All right, hold on, but I know, I got that, I got that, but I want to know, I understand. Uh-huh. I want to know, uh, if you were not resisting, why would the police handcuff you? Because that man, the officer uh, in the car in front of the facility, he he said, yes, uh, she would be upset. And then I said, well, you know, how come you came? Why, why did you come with guns drawn? And he said, they told us that you had a gun to your head. Ah, okay, said, got it. That's a all lie. Right. I never said it. All right, all right, all head. right. And so based on that, they uh, they threw handcuffs on you, even though you were uh, you, you were in the car. Uh, you uh, obviously did not have a weapon and got it. Yes. All right. So they take you into the facility with a handcuffed, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Now what's your okay. question? All right. Okay. They Then after I was there for seven hours, I heard the word hold. Okay. I thought that applied to me. They said, yes, it, you you are going to stay here until you see the doctor. Okay, two days. Who called you a hoe? Hold. H-O-L-D. Oh, hold. I thought you said hoe when I'm going, oh. I was going to say, uh, all right. Uh, they said the word hold. 
Uh, there oh, you go. And look where my mind goes, right? Look where my mind goes. Very depressing. All right. All right. So you're put on a hold. I got it. Okay, Georgia. So you're put on on a hold. And well, I was there for three days and two nights. All right. And on the, on the, the second day, the doctor came about 5 o'clock, and I explained to him, you know, that, no, I wasn't suicidal. And he, I felt I had to be very positive and kind to him. And so... Anyway, I I need I said I need to go home and uh, so anyway he came back the next day and uh, uh, then he he gave me a release. Yeah, but after se- so seven seventy two hours. That's what they have to do. Uh, you're the, the police are allowed to put you was, on. They're allowed to put you on a. They shouldn't be allowed to because all I said to that worker was, I said, well, if if I can't see a psycho- psychologist, I might as well go to the Newport Pier. I don't swim. And that'll do it. That. That'll, that that'll, it. That'll, that'll that'll do it. it. You're That's in a, why I, you're in a, I know it. Hold now, on. All your, all your okay. listeners, they heard it too. Okay, so you're in a psychiatric facility, yes, and you say, I might I as well go to a pier uh, and I can't swim. Why would they put? Why would they keep you? I can't you? see a psychologist. Psych- well, that's what I'm- all right. First of all, they're psychiatrists. But all right. So what's your question? What's your question, well, I Georgia? Have, I, I have a psychiatrist. I wasn't asking for suicide. All right. Well, I'm really. I'm going to go to the pier, and I can't swim. What's your question, Georgia? I didn't say I was going to the pier. I said I might as well go. Got it. What's your question? Good, uh, Georgia. What's I, your question? My question is, they had me there for three days. Yes. And, uh, uh-huh. And they kept me awake all night long for oh, two days. Yeah, the torture. I am upset now. Sure you really are. Up- What's your question? My question is, do I have to go to their outpatient uh, uh, group therapy? I don't think so. I don't think you have to go to their outpatient therapy, not unless you're... Well, they, not had, unless, they, they had me sign a paper. That you would. That, I don't think they can force you to go to therapy. I don't I don't think that's the case. Because I was wanting a psychologist for myself. Georgia, I don't think... I don't uh, think... I don't think okay. they can force you to... Well, I, called, I called your attorney. Yeah. So, hold on a second. Sam, I, uh, my I, screener I, has, I want, has a background. My, my screener has a background in uh, in this sort of thing. Uh, can uh, the psychiatrist, uh, upon a 72-hour hold, force uh, someone to go into therapy, even if they sign, they will? I don't think so. Okay, Sam says absolutely not. Uh, I'm right on that. They can't force well, you. Georgia, they can't I, force you to do it. That's good news because I called your your attorney, and uh, uh, his name is. No, I don't even worry about it. Okay, so, uh, all right, so you quick, the answer is Georgia, no. All right? Okay. There That's you go. Good. All right. All of that. Five minutes for uh, all that. Although it's a fun story. Uh, handcuffs. I guess they will. If they think you're a risk of suicide, Sam, they will throw you in handcuffs. Okay. So all that was totally legitimate. And someone called and she did uh, everything wrong. Uh, and that'll do it. 72-hour hold. Congratulations, George. I bet you were as entertaining uh, as you were them as with me. Uh, first of all, I not only, I mean, it went so long. That call. Not only would I have put you in handcuffs, I probably would have put a gag in your mouth. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, oh, and this really, really quickly, let me tell you about LifeLock. Mm. Uh, one in four people have experienced identity theft. You know, there's a new victim of identity theft every two seconds. And if you look at the numbers, uh, it is overwhelmingly that you have been or will be a victim of identity theft. So uh, I am a customer, have been for 10 years of LifeLock. My entire family, as a matter of fact. 
uh, because all of us are susceptible. LifeLock is about identity theft. Uh, They protect better than anybody I know. And they've added Norton Security. LifeLock identity theft. Norton Security devices protect against uh, viruses, ransomware, malware. You put those two together, now you've got some serious protection. No one can prevent all ID theft or cybercrime or monitor every transaction, every business. But LifeLock with Norton Security now provides even more detection and protection. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, and you'll get an additional 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. Terms apply. 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. From the back to the blue to black pack and the back all on the cat is the cat pack I caught the rat, the rat, rat, the rat trap all night. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, 800 520 Back we go to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Suresh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Hi, yes. Uh, I'm Suresh here. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, so, I I have my own corp, and you know, I work for a client. And uh, you have. I'm sorry. Uh, you I have your own. You have your own what? Corporation. Corporation. Uh, okay. And what do you yes. do? What do you do, and, Suresh? Uh, uh, sorry. What do you do? Uh, I, I work as an IT uh, IT guy. Okay. So Let's... I provide this office. Service. Okay. All right. Let me and, let me try uh, that. I didn't understand uh, one word of that. Uh, oh, you do IT. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah, provider software services. Okay, so uh, uh, what happened is that, you know, uh, I work for a client and uh, I get paid through a vendor. So the client pays to the vendor and vendor pays to me. So I have a contract with the vendor for the payment. Uh, What happened is that, you know, that uh, he's supposed to pay me, like, you know, within 35 days of when I submit the invoice. Uh, but, you know, nine out of ten times he doesn't do that. And uh, now the, the vendor has been replaced with another vendor by the client. Okay, hold so on. Have... They, okay, hold on. Now, uh, what? Again, I didn't understand that. Now what happened? Tell me again uh, the after ven- the word now. Okay, so the vendor has been replaced with another another vendor. Oh, the vendor's been replaced with another vendor. Okay. Yes. So so the old the old vendor who was not paying me on time, you know, now he he has like around four invoices pending, and he's uh, not even responding to my calls or uh, All right. emails. How much does he owe you, Suresh? Uh, it's uh, roughly around twenty five k. Oh boy! All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are. God, I hate the, that twenty five thousand dollars stuff. It drives me completely is, crazy. Is there, I tell is, you, is there any and for me? It's a big amount, actually. I'm so. It's it's a huge amount for me. So yeah, no, it's a huge. It's a here's the problem with twenty five thousand dollars is that it's not low enough for small claims court and it's not high enough to make it worthwhile where you have to pay a lawyer because a lawyer is thousands of dollars and uh, that is, that's a real problem. Now, did you have a written contract with uh, this vendor? Yes, of course. All right. Course and does the contract uh, call for prevailing attorney's fees? There's usually uh, within no. the contract, you'll see that in the event that there's a dispute and you go to court, the losing party has to pay the prevailing party, the winning party, uh, his or her attorney's fees. Is there a clause in there that says that? I No, I don't think there's any clause. Okay, who wrote your contract? 
it was written by the, actually they submitted the contract to me and uh, I verified it and uh, All right so you don't know was it is it a fairly extensive contract is it several pages it's uh, probably no. It's not a. It's maybe four or five pages. All right. There's probably you have to look at the contract. There probably is a prevailing attorney's fees clause. If there isn't, you're on your own. You get you get to hire an attorney uh, and pay for it. And if oh, okay. there, and if there is, you get to hire an attorney and you pay for it. But you'll win, assuming uh, that what you say is true, and you'll get your attorney's fees clause. You'll get your attorney's fees back because that was what the court will order. It's real simple. Those aren't complicated at all. All right, Mark. Yeah, Mark, you're up. Yeah, hi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a question about family law, mm-hmm. um, about annulment. And um, I was wondering if um, it's been about three years, and I was waiting because um, my mom was sick, and she just died of heart failure. And I, we were living in separate places, and I'm still married. And um, it, the whole thing—it's kind of—I was going to base it on fraud. Okay, what what is the what is the fraud? Um, she okay, she lied about her age. Okay, that's probably not fraud. That's probably not enough for fraud. Uh, but, everybody lies about their age. But well, and was, by the way, it's easy to find out too. I mean, you've never looked at a document uh, that she had. Um. Well, yeah, I did, and um, one of them was fake. Okay. And and then, but the but the other thing is, it was it was ten years difference, and she's um, she told me she could have kids, and she's too old to have kids. Yeah, right? I, I don't know if that's enough for fraud, uh-huh. uh, and it's because she's going to deny she said that. Well, she she she's going to go along with it. She said because all right. She well, she goes along with it, then they'll be then then she'll agree. She'll say yes, I lied. Uh, yes, I can't have kids, and I told them I could. Yes, uh, and then probably under that basis, there'll be an annulment. But she has to agree that she defrauded you. Okay. If if she's willing to say that, then you probably will get an annulment. Why? Because uh, annulment, it's not easy to get annulments, but one one of the terms that the courts will accept annulment is fraud. There's a few other ones, too, non-consummation and a few other things. But uh, certainly fraud is one of them. So uh, that's assuming she's going to say, yep, I'm a liar and I'm a horrible human being in court or at least in an affidavit. What if if she doesn't show up? Uh, Well, if she says that she um, if she says she if she signs that you're in pretty good shape, she doesn't show up. uh, I don't think you're going to get the annulment. Okay, but she can sign it and then not she can sign and if she signs an affidavit uh, under the penalty of perjury and probably has it notarized, I think I think the court will probably accept that. Hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Congratulate. How much older is she than you? Um, about six years older. That's wow. There's a tough one. That's that's a nothing. And when she said she could have kids, um, is it because of age? How old is she? Fifty-two, and when well, oh, she's but wait a minute, she's fifty-two, and she's actually forty-six. No, she's she's fifty-two. She said she was she said she was thirty-eight when we got married. That's more than six years. By the way, thirty-eight is very difficult to have kids. Anyway, you know that. Yeah, thirty-eight short of uh, either if IVF, uh, it's thirty-eight-year-olds normally don't have kids. It's a very tough go-round. And that I know. Okay. I mean, been in the business of uh, helping people have kids for a very, very long time. 
I mean, not personally, you know, I mean, not, uh, but, you know, business-wise. So, uh, yeah. no. Yeah, it's, uh, is that enough? Maybe. Maybe annulments are fine. Yeah, why don't you get divorced? I mean, that's just, just as easy. You get divorced, the same thing happens. Uh, just, some people have a real issue with annulment. Uh, maybe for, uh, for religious purposes. You know, for example, I think in the Catholic Church, uh, and I, obviously I'm very far away from being Catholic, but I don't think if you're divorced, you can't take communion. Uh, is that the way it works? Or if you're, can you get remarried in the Catholic Church if you're divorced? Uh, this is among fundamental Catholics. You know, now it's going to get to the point where probably the Pope will be able to get married at some point. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here. And uh, good morning on a Saturday. Got some lines open. 800 5201 KFI. That's 800 5201 5534. Oh, let's go. Here's one that I probably don't know the answer to, but it's a fun story. Hey, Mark, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, hi. Um, I've got a question for you. A friend of mine was driving from San Francisco and uh, moving to San Diego. And uh, his car broke down, and he, he had a lot of his you know, possessions in the vehicle, so he, he um, wanted to stay with the vehicle. But a CHP officer pushed him off the road, um, you know, just into a little private parking area. And then so he wanted to stay with his stuff. He ended up having a couple cocktails. He slept in his car, and uh, a few hours later um, he had a sheriff arrest him for DUI. The car had not been running. The hood was... Okay, so when he was pushed off by uh, the highway patrol, he was not drinking. They just pushed him off. Why did they push him off? Um, Because he was near an off-ramp, and they just figured it was easier to just get him off the road. Well, wait a minute. Why would they even want to get him off the road? Was he not driving appropriately? No, no, no. The vehicle was broken down. Oh, oh, the vehicle was broken down. Oh, and they pushed him off. Correct, yeah. Ah, okay. And so there it is, and uh, they accused him of uh, the, the uh, cops later on come up and accuse him of uh, drunk driving. That's interesting. Yeah, different, a different. Uh, yeah, no, I understand that. And he said, I was pushed off the road uh, hours ago, and I haven't been driving, and they still got him for DUI, right? Yeah, because he was parked in a parking lot, private parking lot. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I really with, with don't. The keys in the- yeah, I don't. Well, maybe uh, there. I, I don't know uh, which way the courts have gone on this. Yeah. Uh, but at first glance, uh, it's uh, the, the, he. They didn't see him driving. Correct. He's got the proof that he was pushed off the road. Simply yeah. uh, uh, going back to the other police officer. Exactly. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, they're saying no. However, there could be an exception if the keys are in the car. Uh, you're allowed to do this. They gave him a breathalyzer, right? And he failed it. I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, yeah, he failed. Yeah, he, he said, he, you know, he's. New yeah, he you know what? I I don't I don't know the answer. It's a simple one. And any attorney does drug, drunk driving will tell you that in two seconds. The only thing I can think of is presumption, but presumptions don't work in criminal uh, cases. Uh, and number two, it could be that uh, the key in the ignition was the end all be all of that. And the, the vehicle wasn't operational at that time, though. It yeah, and that's the argument. That's a, that's an argument too. How do yeah. you drive a, a vehicle when it's not operational? I mean, exactly. I think you have some. I think you have some great arguments there. Uh, so, if I had to guess, yeah, I think it's defensible. Would I hire me to defend it? No, of course not. Why would I do that? Patrick, hello, Patrick. 
Yes, you're hey, there. Bill. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, sir. I've been listening to you for six, seven years. I've always enjoyed your Saturday show. Of course you have. And, you're, and of course, your Monday through Friday in the morning show. Yes, sir. Oh, always. good. We just did our promo. Thank you. Don't even have yeah, to do a promo not, anymore. All right. What can great? I do? What can I do for you, Patrick? Okay. The question is, my aunt has a lovely property here in Orange County, and she was told that she wants to leave it to me. And one of her friends or somebody advised her to create a uh, transfer on death deed and recorded it. So when she dies, which she might live another year or two, that it transfers over to me. I did a little research, talked to some friends, and one guy's an attorney, but he's not an estate planning attorney. And he said to me, that's the wrong way to do it. She should create a living trust. She could do that, create a living trust, and then it goes straight to you. Sure. Uh, I don't yeah, even. I, about, go ahead. What about my cost? My step up basis will be uh, realized better for me. It's realized anyway. The, I think your step up basis happens either way. Uh, once you get the property in your name, uh, it's uh, that's going to be stepped up. I mean, whether she puts it into uh, a joint tenancy uh, to protect you right now, where if you die, but that could uh, that at that point could uh, kick off the recorder's office or the assessor's office. Uh, and uh, it, it won't, the, the basis will be upon the death is uh, what it will be, and then you're going to get tagged. They'll reassess it. They always do. I mean, I, I don't know any other way of doing it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, what, what are you trying so to do? Are you trying to save taxes, or are you trying to make yeah. sure you get the property? Well, well, I want to try to save as much money looking in any direction. Yeah, I don't know how to get around. I have no idea how you get around uh, reassessing the property once it transfers to your name. And how much is it worth? How much is it worth? It's it's worth about 850000 Okay, and I'm assuming there's no mortgage on it? No mortgage. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And what is she paying in taxes right now? Well, she's under the old Prop, Prop 13, so she's had that house for like yeah, well, you're going to end up with, so assuming that you get the house. Years. Right. Oh, so yeah. she's paying nothing. You're going to pay about eight grand in taxes, nine grand in taxes. Per year, yeah, because per I Per year, I, I know. And that's, reason. by the way, that's a real problem, isn't it? Someone hands you an $850,000 home and you've got to pay property taxes and it's free and clear. Okay, Patrick, uh, <laughs> how many people do you think would line up for that one, my friend? I don't know. I, well, I, I plenty, know. plenty. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know any way around that. Uh, I would call an accountant. Uh, because yeah. uh, those are the people that know what they're doing, because it, that what you have is a tax issue, not a legal issue. And as far as uh, how to protect yourself to make sure you get the property, if you're going to be the only beneficiary, she can do a joint tenancy, which may very well kick up the assessment right there. Uh, certainly a trust, which I don't think it will. Uh, that's the cleanest way of doing it, I think, is putting it in a trust. And then uh, you are the, both the trustee and the beneficiary. And that gets to be a real simple one. This is Handle on the Law. Handle, excuse me, handle here on a Saturday morning right until 11 o'clock when uh, Leo Laporte comes around. Oh, today in uh, Laverne, uh, Neil Saavedra is going to be hosting Thanks Grilling from 2 to 5 o'clock. Forgot to tell you that. And that goes on. That's a hell of an event uh, where it's going to be all kinds of free food, tips on grilling, these wonderful grills, fabulous chefs. 
that are there, and it's just uh, a lot of fun. This is third third annual, and uh, it's. Um, I wish this is the year I can't make it because I have a business thing that I have to go to right after the show, and it's killing me. All right. Not that you care, but I just thought I'd mention that. If anybody asks where's handle, because I don't miss those things. Yeah, he's gone. All right. Phone number 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice where I tell you, you have no case whatsoever. All right, this is uh, West Virginia. Oh, I love this guy. I'm looking at a, <laughs> it's a great picture of a mugshot. All right, uh, this is a guy named Glenn Allen uh, Gasdorf, 30 years old, and is being charged uh, with malicious wounding, uh, wounding uh, accused of beating his mother in the head with a spatula, and I mean a big, heavy spatula. Now, he's well-known to the police uh, for frequently huffing spray paint. Now, it's been a while since I've huffed uh, spray paint. Before I understand, uh, you take a, a plastic bag and you put the spray paint in it and you sort of suck it up, right? You, uh, It's a paper bag. Okay, sorry. And uh, you, the aerosol in the paint, then you ingest or you uh, suck up or you inhale and they get you higher than a kite. And he's known as doing this. So uh, the police respond about 11 o'clock at night. This was last week uh, to investigate a reported domestic incident with injuries. And there he is uh, at the scene uh, sitting on a bench in the front yard and a large steel bar in his hands uh, in the house is mom with a fairly serious head wound. And how did they know it was him? Without even asking. Because there he was on the front yard with silver spray paint all over his face and his hands. And they, the mugshot shows him with silver spray paint all over his face. That's very impressive. I love stories like that. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, take some phone calls. Steve, we'll start with you. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, did you just say Steve? Because I couldn't hear. I got, yes, I heard a, yes, Steve. Right. I, yes, uh, it's okay, you. I'm on. Okay. A uh, uh, question. I was in Italy uh, a few years back with my wife. We rented a car, and we—I I don't know if you're aware of the way they do things in Italy, but there's cameras all over the place when you drive into like a downtown area. We were not aware. We we shouldn't have driven in that area at that specific time, and the camera shot a picture of our. Uh, our license plate on the car. We got uh, some notifications just recently saying that we owe eight hundred dollars for two citations. Uh, why two? Wait, they, why, why two citations? I guess we. I don't know if we drove around. Why? I have no okay. idea. But we got two separate, two separate uh, violations, and uh, now they notified us a few years later, saying that we owe around eight hundred bucks and. They're trying to collect their money through a collection agency that they're working with here. The question I had was, will will they be able to ding my credit? You know, that's a very that's a good question. I don't know the answer. I mean, they may attempt to ding it, but you also uh, on uh, you're always able to dispute it and uh, say, hey, this is Italy. Man, I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, and uh, we weren't stopped by a policeman. And you can say almost anything. Now, is, will an Italian 
a company or Italian municipality hiring an American collection agency. I'm assuming it was an American collection agency is going after you, right? Yeah, it's someplace up at, in Woodland Hills. And then we got a call from this Indian guy, and I was. Yeah, you know, that's I'm that's going to be like, oh, a, yeah, that's going to be in that's going to be in India. Uh, the quick answer is I have no idea, Steve. Uh, I uh, I would I would fight it like crazy. I would you know what I would do? I would talk to someone uh, at one of uh, the big uh, credit reporting agencies, you know, TransUnion uh, or uh, Equifax, and uh, just ask the question if you can get through and talk to a human being. Uh, and uh, then what happens? You dispute it, and uh, there it is. Now is that going to ding your credit? If uh, you're you, you owe eight hundred dollars from a ticket in Italy, I don't know the yeah. answer to that. Uh, and, and I guess uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about the credit. We have see the thing is we have a really good FICO scores, and well, that I don't may know how that may, that may nail it. That may hurt it. That may hurt it. Except yeah. you've got the dispute saying I can't yeah. even it, I, I can't even argue uh, because it's back in Italy. I'm not going to spend four thousand dollars to go back there. So uh, I would try the dispute, see what happens. And uh, I've never heard of that, incidentally. I've never heard of a foreign municipality, in this case, whatever city it was. I'm assuming uh, it was a city police or a city camera system. Then hiring an American collection agency uh, to uh, pick it up, which, of course, the threat is the credit part. I mean, they're not going to go to court, naturally, for $800. Wow. Uh, That's pretty impressive. Good. I've never had that question before, ever, ever. And it's not too often that I get questions that I've never had before. I've been doing the show for a long time, and usually I can answer these questions in my sleep. All right, uh, Richard. Uh, yes. Yeah, Mr. wake Hansel, me up. Good wake, morning. Wake me up. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, I've got a bankruptcy question for you. I'm a retired person, and I've been paying a lot. I've been paying a lot of my bills in the last couple of years on my credit cards. And I took a trip to Europe about a year or so ago, a little less maybe. And I find that I I'm, I'm, can't pay my bills anymore. I'm maxed out on my credit, and with a, on my retirement income, I'm not I'm not able to pay for everything. And I was wondering if I went to bankruptcy court, would how would the judge look at yeah, like that's a five thousand dollar trip right. to Europe? Right. A good question, incidentally. Good for you for even thinking of that. Uh, but you're talking about a year ago. Well, it's uh, probably less than a year now. Well, it's, uh, well, you see, there's the answer or there's the question. Uh, how closer to now than a year ago are we talking about? Nine months, ten okay, months. Okay, nine months ago. All right. Uh, I'm not aware of bankruptcy laws, but if it were closer than that, there'd be no issue. The judge would throw out the, uh, the credit card, uh, would throw out your claim to discharge the credit card bill. Uh, because oh. here's what you can't do. You can't anticipate going bankrupt and then just blowing uh, your credit card uh, because right. that's effectively that's credit card fraud. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just go, just go bankrupt on it. Now, it's a question of time because the longer the time it is, uh, then the better off you are. For example, this happened three years ago, for example, and you can't uh, pay your bills and you've been trying to pay for a given amount of time. Uh, they can argue all they want and you're going to say to the judge – Listen, this was three years ago that I did this. I had no intention of going bankrupt. Therefore, the judge is going to hold that's a legitimate bankruptcy, and you'll probably be discharged. Five grand nine months ago on a trip to Europe on your credit cards? Man, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I, th- I I don't know what happens statutorily. It could be that uh, the law says within a year. 
for example, is not dischargeable, then you're completely screwed. Yeah. Uh, and then it, uh, and that's it. that's if there's federal statute on it, and I don't know the answer to that. And uh, uh-huh. but if it's up to the judge, and the judge has discretion in this case, it'll be up to the judge. And uh, personally, in my opinion, I think you're going to get screwed uh, by the judge, and you should, uh, because uh, that is credit card fraud. Not that I'm, I think. If you go to your, no, you're not going to pay and you're anticipating going bankrupt and boom, here it goes. And even if you did not anticipate going bankrupt, it looks like uh, you were considering it and you want one last hurrah on the credit card company. Uh, I don't think so. This is Handle on the Law. This is uh, KFI Handle here. Good morning. On a uh, Saturday morning, some lines are open. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Right up until 11 o'clock. Uh, today from 2 to 5, Neil Saavedra. Thanks grilling in Laverne at Outdoor Elegance. Uh, all kinds of uh, food to taste. Uh, major, the, all the major grill companies will be there. Uh, tips, big chefs. It's been a lot of fun. And the broadcast, Neil's broadcast of uh, uh, the Fork Report will also happen between 2 and 5 o'clock. So go on by. It's free. And eat a plenty. Thanks, grilling. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Amanda. Yes, ma'am. Hi, yes. Bill. Yes. Um, for taking my call. I went to ITT Tech for a worthless degree. In uh, tech. And what specifically uh, was your degree in? Health information technology. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a worthless degree. And I'm. did I mention I'm $50,000 in debt? No, no. You're mentioning it now. Yep. So can my loan be forgiven? Uh, what... Uh... They're still in business, right? Nope. Oh, they went out. Okay. Uh, that helps your case. There are, uh, I don't know if uh, the governmental program is still, uh, is there. There was talk of forgiving those loans, and I think the Trump administration shut that down because the government has to suck it up. Uh, there may be some issue also with the IRS. Uh, there may be some policy within uh, the IRS that gives you uh, some kind of help. And uh, the bottom line is uh, these companies, these for-profit tech companies, in many cases are just totally fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And had you called me before and said, uh, this is what it's going to cost, I'll tell you uh, absolutely not. Uh, those I love the ones where, and I see them on daytime TV, uh, and uh, not that I watch a lot of daytime TV, but I have when I was sick or at home. And that is go to school and learn to be a front office dental uh, administrator, front office dental help. What do you mean? You go to school to learn how to take a phone call and make an appointment? Uh, And so in terms of your classes, uh, what kind of classes did you take, Amanda, for $50,000? And how long was uh, the course? Uh, It was two years. Wow. Okay. And what uh, kind of courses did you take? Um, We did basic sciences, you know, uh, like law classes, um, HIPAA, you know, learning about HIPAA requirements, you know, things along that line. But in terms of the tech part, 
it wasn't a, a tech experience that you had uh, working with various programs and uh, I won't even say coding, but just uh, the technological part uh, of uh, health science. Uh, was there a lot of that or was it just, you know, kind of the BS that you're talking about? There was a lot of that. And, but... why, and why is it useless? Because uh, nobody in the world uh, out there in the tech world thinks that do you have any kind of an education that's valuable? Well, no, it's just the the program itself. The teachers weren't very good. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, okay, I get that, and it yeah. makes sense. However, uh, is when you go out on the job market, uh, is it considered worthless when trying to get a job? Yes. Okay, and you've tried. I've tried. Hmm. And they specifically say it's because that degree is not worth very much. Exactly. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, short of the IRS giving you some kind of a break and short of uh, a governmental program, which uh, I don't know uh, with this administration if that's going to happen. My guess is probably not, even though there was talk among Democrats for it. I think you're screwed. Really? I think you get to pay the 50 grand. Yeah. And, I, and too many people have gotten nailed by uh, these kinds of degrees. I've always said uh, you can get a lot of this. Just go to a junior college. And uh, there you spend $200 for uh, two years and uh, basically get the same kind of education. So, okay, I mean, uh, you're screwed. Yeah, completely. Uh, Isn't that lovely? I feel bad for her, too. Uh, I I do. How often do I feel bad for someone? Like, never. So what was it about Amanda that I actually feel bad about? Hmm. Let me think of that. I have to talk to my shrink about that because that's very unusual for me. Very, very unusual. All right, Rob, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Rob. Hi, Bill. Um, my father passed away a couple of years back, and um, he said he had a living trust. Um, to come to find out, his attorney had passed, too. Is there a way I can find out where or some type of, you know, database I can find out where, who is ownership or has now, this living now you're trust? Ta- now you're talking about the trust. Correct. You're not talking about a will. Uh, the trust. Correct. The trust is much harder to track down, and you have uh, no idea who uh, the trustee might be. I, I I don't know who the trustee. Is. My mother's alive, right? Right. Okay, now. that's the first. That's the first thing you do is ask your mom. She doesn't know. That's she doesn't know. Well, uh, did he have separate property? Does your mom know that? Yeah, they have like seven properties. No, no, but uh, whose whose name are the properties? Um, it, I think it varies from him to my mother to him and my mother. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, if you if she knows the address of the properties that, mm-hmm. that he had, then you simply do a title search and you look at where the transfer took place. And it would be from a trust, from a trustee to whoever is the beneficiary. So that one, okay. you can track that one going backwards. Um, okay. uh, the other thing is... Uh, Talking to the attorney, now the attorney or the attorney's office, because usually when an attorney's die, there's a box of files there and someone is usually taking care of it. Right. So, I I mean, there's nobody that says, oh, this attorney handles now these documentations from this attorney. No, what you have to do, find out who find out who took over the practice. Was this a sole practitioner? Uh, Yes. Okay. so what you want to do and maybe you need a private investigator for this is uh, contacting the family of the attorney who died and tracking down documents uh, on his side. If he wrote the trust, then there'll be th- that document will still be alive somewhere in his boxes. So this is more uh, an issue of forensics, and, and okay. that's how you would find it. And then in the end, 
uh, you're going to find out uh, you get nothing because uh, he hated you. This is true. Okay, and that uh, and that's after spending a ton of money uh, finding out uh, why he hated you. This is Handle on the Law. AFI Handle here on a Saturday, right till 11 o'clock. Today at 2 o'clock, Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. He will be broadcasting from uh, Outdoor Elegance in Laverne. It's Thanks Grilling. Third annual Thanks Grilling. Lots of food, grills, lots of meats. They've got the meats. And it's all free from 2 to 5. It's something you don't want to miss. And, of course, Neil will be there. All right. Oh, here phone numbers. Are selling. We have a couple of lines open, and I thought I'd throw out the phone numbers. 800-520-1534. And you're probably not going to wait because uh, lines are open. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, Paul, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Um, I have a settlement uh, ethical question. I had major surgery. It was a screw-up. We filed a malpractice suit. Uh, It involved the screw-up involved not only the doctor but also some equipment. Um, They came back with an offer of $100,000, and I said, no. My attorney said, look, you're not going to get any better. This is it. Take it. Um, I said, no, let's go to trial. He came, he went back to them. They came back with an offer of 300000 um, He said, that's fantastic. I've never seen them do something like this before. Listen, take the offer. Um, let's get out of here. This is great. I said, no. He said, look, I, don't, I, I might not want to go forward with you as my client if you don't take this offer. I said, well, you do what you have to do. They went back, and they finally came up with a settlement offer a little bit over 500000 I said, let's take it. So we did. Now, my question is this. My, I had signed an agreement with the attorney for 40% of the you know, settlement after costs. Um, uh, I think that I'm, I should pay him the 40% of the 100000 but... The monies that we got after that, since he was so adamant that we settle at a hundred, I think that he shouldn't get forty percent of the rest. I think he should get less than that. Yeah, no, you're you're probably right. He should get a lot less than that. But you know what's in your way? What the retainer agreement that says he gets forty percent. Right. And uh, and so, a, a few other questions uh, I want to throw at you because I think these are pertinent. And number one, just curious. Uh, uh, when you talk about the medical malpractice case, uh, what happened to you? Oh, um, uh, I don't want to talk about that, but I, what happened was I got permanent, uh, 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 you know, colostomy. Oh, that's a tough one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough surgery, and that's uh, that's right. fun. Yeah, that's uh, and I yeah, that's worth a, a chunk of money. So uh, you were absolutely right in not taking a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you just, you, just, you you called the wrong attorney, who obviously you did a better job negotiating than he did. Now uh, he is when we talk about when you said uh, he take the hundred grand, that was verbal, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you know he's going to lie about that. You know that, don't you? 
that he's going to say, uh, no, no, I never said that. I said we should consider the 100000 but maybe you can do more. And here you are saying that's not what you said for the purposes of cutting down his retainer money. Right. Okay, that's what he's arguing, that it, this is all that's going on. Paul is only doing this so he doesn't have to pay me with the written retainer said. He's basically trying to screw me out of money. And you have no proof that he did anything other than represent you. Okay, that's the problem. Now, ethically, should he not take it? Of course not. But what is it? A two hundred grand versus forty grand? Right. Well, what do you think? What? Who, who is not going to say no to that? A very ethical person. <laughs> and how many ethical lawyers do we know? Oh, let me count well, the no. Let me count because there's so many out there. <laughs> well, my question is, um, uh, can I? Um... Uh, raise this issue at the bar? No, because he's going to lie, and it, this is not, and this is not an ethical issue. This is not moral turpitude. It, which it's a fee dispute, is what this is, and the bar doesn't take on fee disputes. Oh, there's fee now. Now there are mandatory fee resolution uh, the uh, meetings that you have to have, and you can ask for that. But I got to tell you, you're going to lose because gonna, he's going to say, Paul, that's just not true, and all Paul wants to do is screw me out of money. And that's what it looks like on its face, Paul, when you make the accusation, which, by the way, I, I, it's not like I don't believe you. Uh, I do believe you because, and although I don't know, that's a crappy attorney who would look at the permanent damage that you sustain and go, I'll take $100,000 when malpractice is clear. I probably would have taken it to court. You know, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big case, by the way, Paul. I mean, it's, that's no joke what happened to you. But anyway, the bottom line is you took it. He gets his 40%. Uh, you got screwed every which way. And uh, yeah, I feel bad for you. I mean, it's a permanent colostomy. Uh, you know, not that you can't survive, but it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not a pleasant way to live for the rest of your life, for sure. All right, Debbie, let's try you. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi there, Bill. Yes. Okay. Um, my husband's 64 years old. He has, you know, beginning stages of COPD, so he uses an inhaler in the morning before he takes off for the day. Uh, He's been doing this for a while. He quit smoking four years ago. Yesterday, in the parking lot of Home Depot, he was struck by a car that was driving a little too fast. He's in the hospital. He's going to be okay, but his lung did collapse. What I'm wondering, because I'm guessing there's going to be a lawsuit out of this. I mean, there's insurance involved and all that stuff. But the fact that he has, I guess, what's considered a pre-existing yeah. lung condition, quote-unquote, is is that going to take away from anything? Well, sure, and I'll tell you why. Because there really is no connection between getting hit in a parking lot and lung collapsing unless well, the, uh, unless the accident was, was near the lung or, or he was hit. Yeah. He was hit in the torso. It it, okay, yeah. then... then the impact on that side. Got yeah. it. All right, then, yes... Uh, It's going to impact it because I guarantee you the insurance company is going to scream pre-existing. And to the extent that the driver was at fault, it's 5% for the lung collapse. Uh, Your lawyer, and you're going to get a lawyer on this one, trust me, Mm -hmm. is going to say 90%. And there's the fight. And they'll be negotiating and everybody, doctors will get involved. I guarantee that. Your side will have a doctor. Mm -hmm. Their side will Mm -hmm. have a doctor. And the problem mm-hmm. is he's going to be okay, and I don't know what. How long yeah. was his lung collapsed? 
Well, it's still collapsed. They're working on reinflating it now. Okay, He's and currently so currently in the hospital. All right, so this is a big deal. All right, now we're talking. Okay. How how long has he been in the hospital? This happened yesterday. Okay, so the longer he's in the hospital, of course, uh, the more this is worth. Okay. Uh, and it's a day or two is, I don't think any lawyer is going to take it because this is a big case to do uh, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the representation and the defense. So you need mm-hmm. a good long time. So uh, if uh, he's saying, I want to go home, uh, you punch him in the face and say, no, you don't. Oh, you no s- problem there. Yeah, you just yeah. yeah, you just stay here. Just give him a knuckle on the forehead. Uh, but anyways. That wouldn't be yeah. the first time. Okay. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well said. Uh, but, yes, it's uh, you. Your, okay. your first impression is absolutely correct. That's going to be the entire case, not the liability, what the damages were, and the, quote, a pre-existing is going to be everything in that case. Okay. Okay. Were, were it not for the fact that he has a COPD, there would have been no reason for his lungs to collapse. Well, right? see, and that, well, that's correct. Unless it can be argued that the hit was such that his lung would have collapsed anyway, which, or there's a good chance his lung would have collapsed with this kind of a hit. And even okay. if. Got he, it. And even if uh, his lung would not have collapsed, but for the uh, accident. Uh, or mm-hmm. uh, but for this, uh, the the uh, OCPD CPOD CPXY right XYZ yeah, yeah. exactly uh, it's okay. going to be to the extent that it got this serious so as I said it's a complicated case and uh, you have to get a lawyer like right now this is handle on the law. A Saturday morning, uh, and uh, good morning. Uh, don't forget today, this afternoon, 2 to 5 o'clock, thanks grilling with Neil Saavedra in Laverne at Outdoor Elegance. Uh, Al, that's kind of a weird one. Hello, Al, or no, that's Joe. Hey, Joe. Hello, how are you? Yes. Um, over, I hired an attorney to file a motion for reconsideration for my immigration case. And she blew the the statute, and uh, immigration closed my case, and I have to start from scratch. Um, I filed a complaint against her with the state bar, but the state bar, you know, didn't do anything. Yeah, they don't, because uh, it's not an issue of moral turpitude. It's just right. Uh, it's a malpractice. That's it. You know, right? But no attorney wants to take the case for right. malpractice. Yeah, because there's no there's no money there, Joe. There's no money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that happen. So you can try small claims court, but uh, there's uh, it's one of those things where eh, uh, I'm sorry you just got the short end there, and it, it happens. And unfortunately, that's uh, where you sit. I know it's no fun, but uh, you know better you than me kind of thing. All right, Al. Hello, Al. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, a friend of mine. Uh, he uh, uh, was. Um, his wife was kicked out of the house, and uh, for uh, adult, uh, adult, uh, what do you call, um, adult misuse, I don't know the word. Oh, elder, el- elder abuse? Elder abuse, elder abuse, Okay. Yeah. Uh, went to court, and uh, there was no elder abuse, but uh, her lawyer and uh, um, forgot to get her back in because it was a restraining order. So the daughter is in the house still, and uh, unbeknownst to her, the uh, her father... Uh, installed cameras inside the house because he didn't want anybody to steal his uh, property you know they're uh, hidden so cameras. she she lived in she lived in her father's home 
Well, no, she never did. She just uh, found that he was passing away. Okay. And, uh, oh, I and, got uh, it. Okay, so she went to the house. The, okay, went to the house and kicked the wife out. All right. And uh, uh, you know, and you know, with, with the elder abuse uh, deal, got a restraining order, so she couldn't go back in because you need a restraining order. I mean, you need a motion or whatever it is to get back in the house. So she couldn't. The wife couldn't. The surviving spouse couldn't get back in the house. But uh, on her phone, uh, she saw in the video a lawyer, a lawyer came in and. Uh, oh, uh, uh, they were doing a new uh, trust, and he says, "You have to sign here, trust. Don't you trust us? We're lawyers. We're lawyers." And had his hand on, on his, on the old man's hand, and he signed the trust. You know, giving everything to the daughter. And then he died about three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, can't you bring that videotape? Oh to yeah. The bar? Oh god to the yeah. Bar? Oh yeah. That'll cost. If that's the case, that may cost the lawyer his license. Uh, yeah, if it's yeah, that, her, is, yeah. that is video. see that's moral turpitude and audio and audio. Oh yeah, that's moral turpitude. That is a bad yeah. one. That's a lawyer doing that. Uh, that is a state bar issue. Also, uh, you can unravel anything that happened as a result of that. You know, for example, leaving all the money uh, th- that unravels instantly. But what the uh, 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 her lawyer uh, uh, they went to court and. Um, to unravel that, but but the the the, the attorney, the daughter's attorney, uh, found something that you can't you can't fight a new law in California. You can't fight a trust, an old trust with, with a new trust, something like that. It's a new law. It's it's. I have no idea. Uh, in, yeah, so. you know, that's, uh, but it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, because yeah. like, effectively what you're saying is when fraud is committed and you have proof of it. Uh, the law says you can't deal with that. You can't unravel. You can't unravel what happens well, because of that. Well when, well, when there's a new trust, when there's a new trust, you can't fight the new trust. You know, because there's an old trust. You know, but if the new trust, tr- but if the new trust is yeah. uh, is derived as a matter of fraud, uh, then see that makes no sense. Yeah, to me. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. No, something's wrong. I mean, th- th- something doesn't yeah. make sense here. So uh, I she needs a new lawyer. Oh yeah, you need a trust in a state lawyer. Oh God, yeah, she needs a new lawyer. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's uh, because based on what you said, this whole thing blows up instantly. And the lawyer, and, and the lawyer speaking to the state bar. And I'd love to see what he has to say. You can go to handle. And, on, you can go to handle on the law. dot com and, and, and pick up okay, uh, a trust then, in a state lawyer. Aside from all that, the civil stuff. Him dying and this isn't it? Isn't it a motive? I mean, why did he die? And then, and then why he did he die? Right? I don't. No, no. And then he was cremated. All right, hang right on a minute. Never, Hold on. Yeah. Are you now arguing murder? Well, doesn't she should go to a detective? Doesn't don't you think so? No, because what's the what? What did he die of? How old was he? Ninety six. Oh, and he, oh, there you go. And he wouldn't have died of natural causes at ninety six when he's on his deathbed. But he had, he had a he had a uh, a plot already. He, uh, everything was he was supposed to be buried. Hey, so I, he th- was- it, it, here's the problem. Even though he has a plot, it's a family members who make that call. Yeah, that's the problem. It's uh, it's always a family member. So there can be a pl- there can be five plots out there, and the family member may very well say, "I'd rather have him cremated," and they'll do that. So there's uh, there's no lawsuit there. There certainly is no criminality there. And the fact that he died, uh, you're not arguing that he died in a, in a manner that is untoward, are you? It's just suspicious that, that all of a sudden, you know, he signed this thing, and then he no, died a couple of days later. Uh, well, know? but that's, it's suspicious. A 96-year-old yeah. die. how about coincidence? Is that possible? No, and then, and then, and then uh, uh, in, in his trust, his first trust, he was supposed to be buried, you know? And I cremated. understand, but what did I just tell you about a family member? 
And well, by well, the surviving wife was supposed to do that. The, uh, the that's right. That His spouse was supposed to do that. So, the, all right. So, uh, well, the, she decided, it, but she, it's her call. The daughter uh, said that they were divorced, and they were never divorced. Uh, all right. So, but you're still talking about a, there may be emotional distress where the wife has yeah, a lawsuit okay. against the daughter, but it has nothing yeah. to do with you. Uh, nothing. Uh, sort of conflating what's important and what's not. Very suspicious that a 96-year-old guy died, you know, right after signing a trust, a new trust that's been forged. Mm. It's definitely time for Agatha Christie to get in here and write write one about that. This is Handle on the Law. on the law marginal legal advice where i tell you you have absolutely no case so let me give you a scenario which incidentally has actually happened so a suspect is released and the marijuana that he has with him is of course uh, confiscated and then the suspect is released right charges are dropped but there's the marijuana and uh he gets it back right His keys, his money, his property, all confiscated when he's under arrest and detained. And then it's all returned to him, except they don't return the grass. They're saying, nope, not the marijuana. And this is the case uh, in which Robert Smith had 21 grams of marijuana seized from his backpack during a disturbing the peace arrest, which, uh, as I said, charges were dropped. And he said, "I I want it back. The cops kept it. Here's what the cops argued, that by giving it back to him, they could face federal drug distribution charges because it is illegal federally to distribute drugs. And the cops saying, here we are distributing drugs. Well, the lower court said, you're absolutely right to the police department. However, the three judge panel of the same court overturned the decision citing an earlier California law enforcement decision. And all they had to do was read the law. And that's what the appeals court said. Just read the law. The Federal Controlled Substance Act explicitly allows law enforcement officials to legally handle drugs when officers are lawfully engaged in the enforcement of any law or municipal ordinance relating to the controlled substance. So the bottom line is, hey, the Federal or, uh, federal Substance Act says that these cops, as long as they're officially doing what they're supposed to do under state law, hey, it's legal to have marijuana. Here's your marijuana back, and the cops cannot be held responsible under federal law because there it is. The law says they're not responsible. Let's take some phone calls. Jason. Hey, Jason, you're up. Welcome. 
yes, I have a question on uh, renter's uh, deposit. Basically, I rented a house, me and my wife, and uh, we stayed there for six months. It was a year contract. I wrote up a paper that showed the the reason why we moved out. He signed it, and I signed it. The reason being, they are on, we are on a septic system. There was flies. Uh, I'm assuming some sort of like fecal fly uh, coming up through the tub. It was inhabitable. Uh, me and my wife would have to clean the house, you know, regularly and pull yeah. it off the tub and whatnot. So he agreed that, you know, he couldn't fix a problem. He and that was in writing. Times. Wait a sec. And that's in writing. It, yes, sir. Whoa. I, 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 got it. I, I typed it up. All right. And he signed it. And What's I your question? It. Got it. Got it. What's your question? So we moved out at six months. Um, he came and inspected the house while we lived there. He said, wow, the house looks great. Never seen anybody take, you know, such good care, obviously, not in writing. You know, you should have no problem getting your deposit back. Excellent. Okay. Uh, we moved out. We cleaned the house. We mowed the lawn, did everything. Everything's perfect. You know, tried to keep everything in good uh, spirits. We move out. He all of a sudden signs a... Uh, uh, um, some sort of property management company who I paid him directly. It was always just, you know, me and him as a person. Now all of a sudden I get a check from a property management company showing that they're taking three, uh, $1,386. Right. Got it. Off your deposit. deposit. All right. So first yeah, of all, let me so throw got it. Door got it. Got it. Got it. Let me ask a couple of questions. Can I? Uh, I'm assuming you did not take pictures of the apartment or the house when you moved out to show how clean it was, right? I, I, I took uh, a couple pictures of the house, um, not specific, you know, wall for wall, but yes, there are pictures okay. showing that the house is in good condition. Great. All right. So that helps you enormously. Well, this gets easy. You sue them in small claims court. That's all. They're just keeping your money. And you go in front of a judge, say, I want my money. Here's the, here's the contract that we signed. I'm, I moved out legally because they couldn't fix it. He understood that. He agreed. And now they're going to take $1,000 off because of what? Painting? No, they have to paint on their own. Wear and tear, normal wear and tear, they have to eat. The only thing they can hit you for is damage, excessive damage. Normal wear and tear, they suck it up. So you're fine. Just do a small claims court action. Do I take the person to small claims court? Because I'm getting this check from the property manager. Yeah, you take them both. I don't even know who they are. You take them both. Or you can take take him. It doesn't matter. You can take him to uh, small claims court. Actually, you take him because all they are are his agent. Okay. Yeah, that's all you do. That's all you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go into that. I, I said yes. All right, Robin. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes. How are you? <laughs> go, go ahead. Okay. I have a next-door neighbor that, we, and we just moved in, all of a sudden has all these cameras around her house. And the day after we move in, a, full, a huge gun case full of ammunition but no gun. What do you mean? Where's the, where, where's the gun case uh, of uh, ammunition? Where's the gun case? In in the house? It's, we get, it's gone. No, it was left on the driveway. All right, and now they, so it's, it's gone? All right, so yes. I don't well, understand. Well, like, I, the, the, the lady came out from her completely secured electric gated house without a doorbell with her boyfriend, who is supposedly a battalion chief for the L.A. County Fire Department. And they said, oh, we thought we put it in the trash. We gave it back to them. But it had this lady's ex-husband's name on it. All right, I don't understand what you're going. What's your question, Robin? I don't. I know where you're going with this. She has all these cameras. Okay, so what's what's your question? I got it. She has cameras all over the room, all over the house. And she she, now she wants us to sign legal declarations to get another restraining order because she has kids. Oh, she already filed a restraining. Robin, hold on. She filed a restraining order against you. Is what you're saying? 
No, against her ex-husband. All right. So what does that, Robin? What does that have to do? What does that have to do with you? Are we allowed to? Sign? I don't want to sign the paper. I've never met this. Woman. What is? Wait a sec. You're. She's asking you to sign a paper saying what? That her ex-husband is crazy. No, of course you don't, Robin. You don't sign I anything, know. so you say no. So what's your question? I did. The question okay. is, is how do I keep this lady who keeps crying to me and tell her? Tell Leave her, me alone. Yeah, you say, here it is, okay? You ready for this? Write yeah. this down. You say to her... Oh, I don't need to. I'm okay. Kidding. I got the law in my got head, it. too. Leave me alone. That's all you have to say. Then you I know did, what? Then you cried. Sa- then she what? And then she starts crying more. Then let her cry. Walk away I and let know. her cry. That's, Robin, that's what, exactly what I said. And all I right, so Robin, why are you calling me? What What can I do for you? You said you did the best legal advice, even though you're not an attorney. And I I know a lot about the law, but there's nothing worse than another woman crying to another woman. But all I want to do is tell her, stay away. Are you, uh, how's your medication doing, uh, Robin? I, I have a question to ask you. What medication? Yeah, exactly. Uh, are you out I on, need it. You, well, okay. Are you out on like a four-hour pass uh, from the the facility. Oh, that's nice. uh, I listen to you guys all yeah. day, every day. Yeah. That's kind of rude. How I about this? How about this? Let me ask you this. How much drinking have you done? None. None. All right. Well, coffee. all right. Well, thanks for the call. Always a pleasure. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday. And welcome back to Handle on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Okay, Kevin, it's your turn. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. A couple of years ago, closer to three, I did some advertisements for an agency in Atlanta, some uh, ad libs, and he went bankrupt. He owes me about 1100 bucks. No, he doesn't. No, if he's already gone bankrupt, and I'm assuming you were named as one of the creditors. Yes. Yeah, you're. it's over. Oh. Yeah, he doesn't owe you a dime, but nice talking to you. Susan, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Susan. Hi, Bill. Hey, um, I heard on one of your shows a while back that um, you can collect alimony from a long-time relationship if yes. you were not married. Yes. Okay, um... Well, what about if you are currently legally married? And you married someone else? Well, I I separated from my husband, and after some time, I met this man, and we had a relationship, okay. and it since broke up. Got it. So are you married to him? No, not, not no, it was not bigamy, but uh, I had a relationship with, let's say, my boyfriend, but I was legally married. All right, you were legally married to someone else, not the boyfriend. Yeah, my okay. husband. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, that's usually who you're legally married to. All <laughs> right, so who do you want alimony from? Well, I'd like them from both of them. But, no, it doesn't uh, work that way. Um, no, 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 no. Oh, how no, long no, were you with boy- How long were um, you with boyfriend? Yeah, the boyfriend because he How long he were you with bo- How long were you with boyfriend? Eleven years. All right, there's a that's a possibility, but you were still living. You were married to someone else. Yes. The entire time. Are you allowed to spousal support? Yeah, maybe. Why not? <laughs> you, 
Yeah, because it's uh, marriage really doesn't matter. It's a contractual issue. Sure, I'm going to argue that, uh, yes, you are entitled to spousal support for uh, the time you were together with him. And when are you, you kidding me? No, no, and wait a sec. You may have been legally married to someone else. Did you cohabitate with your husband at all during that time? Oh, no. You're now going back to your husband. Oh, no. I'm sorry? No, I'm not going back to my husband. Okay, so the only relationship where you lived with someone is the boyfriend who was with you 11 years. Yes. Okay, got it. Now, did he support you for 11 years? <laughs> no, it was mutual, and I supported him okay. for the last two years. Then he's the one that's probably going to be able to get spousal support. How much money did you make and he make for the nine years uh, that you were together until you started supporting him? Oh, no, I hardly made anything, maybe 22000 And how much did he make? Tied up in, in. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. How much did he earn? How much money did he earn? Uh, He made a lot of money, but he was in debt. Well, uh, yeah, that's. You know what? That it's all very tough for you. This is not an easy one at all. This is really complicated. And unless he has substantial money, and depending on how you lived. And uh, in debt, uh, it's you want to talk to a family law attorney, divorce attorney. But I got to tell you, based on what you said to me, it don't look good. Not at all. Kate. Hello, Kate. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Yes. uh, Two weeks ago, I was traveling on the street and a guy makes an illegal U in front of me, forcing us to collide. I hit his car on the passenger side. It was unavoidable. I had two witnesses. The guy lies to his insurance company, says I hit him from behind. Insurance company says I'm at fault. They send me a letter saying I hit the guy from behind. I then send them photographs that I took of the back of the guy's car showing it's in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. And I have two witnesses that watch the whole thing. Right, and you, have, and, and, wait, and you have statements from the witnesses, or they're willing to sign a statement or willing to tell. Uh, Absolutely. Okay, good. That, so, so far, yeah. good. So what's your question, Kate? Okay. My question is, I'd like to sue the insurance company. No way. Not the individual. No. It wasn't. No, because it wasn't the insurance company that hit you. Let let me finish. But the insurance company, had they, I sent some pictures. They sent me another letter saying an entirely different scenario happened. I have them on voicemail. It doesn't matter, Kate. It doesn't matter. They have no duty to you at all. They can say whatever they want because there is no contract between you and them. It's The deal is between you and the driver. All they do is tell the driver, if you get in trouble, we will cover it. The relationship with an insurance company is between the, the insured, the other driver, and the insurance company. What you do, you have to go after the driver. You have no choice. It doesn't matter. You sue him out of state or you go after your own insurance company. Do you have an insured motorist? Yes, I do. All right. They said I needed to pay. They sided with me, but they said I needed to pay a $500 deductible so fine. for my $3,000 repair. So you pay a $500 deductible and you have a lawsuit against uh, the driver for the other $500. I would. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the way it goes. That's why you have insurance. Because you I have, understand, but I'm just, I'm just so annoyed that of I course have to you pay are. Bucks. I understand, Kate. <laughs> or you can simply file a lawsuit against him and see what happens and sue him. 
You got $3,000 worth of repairs, so you sue him in small claims. You have him serve wherever the hell he is, and uh, then you'll probably get a default judgment. And uh, then what? You can go after him. You can do whatever. He may or may not turn it over his insurance company. He's crazy not to because that's why he has insurance. I mean, why would anybody buy insurance and not use it? That's like my your final question. My, yes. my, may I ask a final question? Sure. My insurance company said if I take him to small claims and I lose, they cannot fight for me. That's because you're being. That's because you're doing the uh, legal representation yourself, and uh, it, it depends on the contract with the insurance company, and that's probably correct. So what I would do is if I were you, if that's what the insurance company said and it depends on your policy and how it's written, then you have no choice. You have no choice, Kate. You have to pay the $500 deductible. Although I have to tell you, on an uninsured motorist claim, I don't understand why you would pay a deductible anyway. Because what you're doing is you are insuring against someone else that hit you. So you've got to look at your policy. That one's kind of bizarre. So just read your policy very carefully. But in the end, to answer your question, it's not the insurance company you sue. They didn't do anything wrong, and they can say no. They can say yes. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you who really has a lawsuit against that insurance company is the driver of the other car if the insurance company doesn't pay you. Not you. I know that's tough to understand, but that that's the way it works for sure. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome back. And welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right. Greg. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, I I was wondering, is it it legal to empty my septic tank on my lawn? Probably not. Why would it be legal? Why would you empty your septic tank on your lawn so so it smells uh, like a septic tank? Do do you have neighbors? Yes. Why? Uh, What would you do if a neighbor emptied a septic tank on his lawn? I wouldn't care. You don't, what, your nose doesn't work? I wouldn't do it when he could smell it. Ah, so how do you empty a septic tank so you don't smell it? I do it when the wind's blowing the other way. What happens when the wind turns around? Well, I'll, I'll look at, you know, the, the forecast and see if the wind's going to be blowing a certain way. No, I understand, but and, and I get it. But let me ask you something. When you empty a septic tank, doesn't the smell of uh, the sewage stay there for a while, or does it disappear in a matter of two hours? Now, I suppose I reckon it would stay there a while. But right, and the wind's never... extenuating circumstance, I am on the wet side of a dike. Yeah. And I'm and... living out in the township. Yeah, no, you have to uh, call the folks that empty the... the I guess empty... I've got to yeah. call the honeymooners. Yeah, the you do. Wagon. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I don't get that many idiot calls, but that was a particularly good one. Uh, thank you. I love this. Fantastic. Dave. Dave, you're up. Yeah, Bill. Yes, sir. About 10 years ago, had a repossessed uh, vehicle. I was going to volunteer and just let him take it. And then I headed overseas. I didn't really get any kind of notification. I didn't go overseas immediately, maybe uh, six months later. And uh, 
I didn't get no notification of what they did with the vehicle, nothing. I believe there's a California law that says they've got to tell me what they did with it or something. And then I come back years later to find out I've had a judgment against me. Mm. And, that and was, the only that... way I knew about it was I left the job, and they had tried to garnish away from that employer after I'd left. And somebody managed to get that paperwork back to my address, and I read it. Uh, but, of course, obviously I'm uh, concerned that now they're going to find this new employer. I don't know how they find this information. but yeah, uh, well, they, have, they have your I, name, and they can look it up. Uh, the point is, is after 10 years, the judgment disappears unless they reaffirm the judgment. And if they keep on yeah. going, you're going to have a problem because it's 10 years ago, and you can attack the issue of that you were not noticed, but... You know, that's 10 years later that you're saying you're not noticed. That's a, right. that's a problem. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, I think you just hold off. And uh, how much is the judgment for now? Yes, it's like, uh, I think it's $11,000. Yeah. Uh, that seems like a lot of money. For it is a lot of money. No, it's a lot of money for anybody. They, they couldn't have got that out of that vehicle. I can't believe it, it wasn't that old when they took it. Well, you know, that's what... yeah. first of all, the is it originally $11,000? Because interest... Uh, a cruise on that over the period of 10 years. It was originally yeah. $11,000? I believe, well, there was there was $3,000, I think, in in fees attached to it. So I think the original balance was about 7000 Yeah, I'm surprised it's only $11,000. It should be a lot more than that with yeah. interest. Uh, but I think you're going to just have to sit back uh, because uh, you can try for a motion to uh, quash it, for a motion to dismiss the whole case. But you're talking 10 years ago. Now, the argument yeah. is going to be you just got notification of it. This is some research you get to do because you just, you may have a shot at it. You may because if they never gave you notification, it's kind of hard to say to go in and argue you weren't given notification if you were never given notification. How, do you, how are you going to know that there's a problem unless you know there's a problem? Very, very strange situation. You're, you, you have to prove a negative, which is impossible. All right, Sean, you're up. Hi, Bill. Yes, go so, ahead. I bought a house, and two weeks before we bought the house, our neighbor built a fence that is, after we've done a professional survey, we figured out it's encroaching on our yard. It's All right. on our space. Tell him to move it. I'm wondering what we can do. Tell him to move it. Okay. That's it. And, That's if, he, it. and if he refuses to move it, you get to hire someone to move it, and uh, you hit him up for attorney's fees. He's encroaching on your land. He's trespassing effectively. Do I have to split the cost with them? No, you just say move it, move it, or we're going to move it for you, and then we'll hit you up with the fees with whatever it costs. Okay, that's easy. They're not allowed to do that. Uh, John, is that uh, John? Yes. Hey, John. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Hello. Uh, I have a lease, uh, an automotive lease. I have an automotive shop, and I have a lease that I want to try and get out of. Mm-hmm. Now, they closed down both sides of the street which most of my business was uh, coming from traffic. Now, they closed down both sides of the street so nobody could get in. There's only one way in. Uh, and basically, I lost all my clientele, and uh, the construction is going to be happening for another year and a half, and I want to know if I could get out, out of the lease maybe, for that. Maybe, because uh, what, what you can argue, is, uh, there's an implied uh, uh, provision of the lease that you have to be able to do business. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do business, 
then uh, there is it's impossible for you to stay there and even pay the rent. Now, who's doing the construction? The city? Yeah, the city. Yeah. Uh, I think that you have a shot at it. I really do. And uh, okay. what, I, what I would do is contact a real estate lawyer uh, because I think uh, that it's a, it's a question of common law here. It may even be statutory, and that is simply an implied ability to uh, just do the business, as I said. Yeah, I would think you did. Well, I'm getting a lot of cases or a lot of questions saying, yeah, I think you can. All right, uh, Marcellus. Yeah, uh, a, a friend of mine died, a lady died, and she left three sons and a daughter. And the stepfather kicked him out of the house. Uh, do they? And they claim an interest in the property. Uh, well, it depends. Is there anyone oh, I could talk to about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. You could talk to uh, a, a probate and estate lawyer. But let me ask you a couple of questions. All right. The, was the house only owned by her, or was it in the name of the stepfather and her? The first house was hers. The stepfather and her bought another house. All right. Well, then the house that they two, the, the two of them bought, is his. Okay. Okay, you can't do anything about that. Now, did she have a will? Uh, the will, like, disappeared, and deeds got changed some kind of way. All right, so... Manipulation. All right, well, uh, now, the home that is existing that is not owned by the stepfather, uh, that is only in her name. Is that correct? I really don't know. Well, without that, I can't answer the question, Marcellus. Okay. Yeah. But if you, it was, if it was only in her, I know she owned it before. If she it was married. only in her name, then stepdad gets half, the kids get the other half. If there's no will. Okay. All right. There you go. This is handle on the law. Yeah, we might be a candle in the wind. And welcome back to uh, KFI AM six forty. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handel. This is handle on the law. Hello, Mike. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, yeah. Bill. Yes, sir. I uh, have a question about statute of limitations. I got quite a bit of uh, past due debt, and I'm wondering uh, if uh, you know about that, and if I have to pay off these past due debts. Yeah, if, have you? Oh, it's four years on uh, a written debt in the state of California. So there's the statute. Uh, now, uh, when's the last time? How long ago did you make a payment on the loan? How many months ago? How many years ago? Well, there's uh, a couple of credit cards, but the main thing is my car payment, and it would be uh, at least eight, eight, uh, eight, nine years. Eight, nine years. Well, you know, the statute has been uh, already gone on all everything that's eight, nine years. Now, the car, you're saying yeah, how that to, how long, when's the last time you made a payment on the car itself? How long ago? Uh, like eight, nine years, and I'm wondering uh, how would I uh, obtain a pink slip? Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Because there, you can't sue uh, for, uh, or they can't sue you because the statute is over, but they still have a lien on the car. Right, they got the Yeah, time. you're not going to be, yeah, you know what, run the thing into the ground. Okay, and then what about um, uh, what about credit card debts? Again, uh, four years. If the last time you made a payment on a credit card debt was over four years ago, you don't owe that money. You owe the money, but they can't sue you for the money. And that applies even, uh, I live in California. But doesn't matter. Credit card yeah, it doesn't, in doesn't matter. Delaware yeah, it doesn't. They're all in Delaware. It doesn't matter. Right, right. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Well, I don't know how good you are. You're a flake, but uh, what can I tell you? Hey, Alex. Hello? Yes, Alex. Go ahead. Welcome to Handle on the Law. 
Yeah, can I ask a question now? Yes, of course. Oh, hi, Bill. Um, I found a post on myself online. I don't know who created the post. The post is a negative post, obviously. That's the reason I'm calling. And um, I sent an email to the website that's hosting it to remove it because there's information about where I work and judgment of character. And they're asking me to go to this arbitration website to pay 200 bucks and uh, to remove that post. And yeah. I was re- doing some research, and it, even in the research that there would not be any 100% guarantees that another company might not pick up that post. Right. And, and it, it may be like a dominoes effect. One and, after and the other. It may, what can I do? And it may, be, and it may be a scam to pay the $200 uh, okay. because okay. that I've hey, never heard hey. of. Uh, so, you know what? The, the problem is – can you hear me? I can hear it a little bit better, yeah. All right. Uh, the problem is you have to uh, – you probably have to hire a lawyer. I don't think there's uh, any real oversight. The problem with uh, the Internet is uh, that it's so freewheeling, it's so loose, that it's hard to go uh, after any specific organization. And is it one of the big ones? Is it Google? Is it Yahoo? Uh, which Where is – well, I don't even know that. Which is the host uh, organization of this? Um, it's something about my life or – not my life. Some, some website about um, – I don't know. Just when I Google basically my name, I found it on one – Yeah, one, you know what? I get it. Alex, uh, you, you, you're going to ha- have to get a hold of people that know what, what they're doing with this because it's so complicated. It's so insane. I wouldn't even know where to start. But thanks for calling, and I certainly appreciate you asking for my advice. Yes. All right, Greta, let's try you, see if I can answer the question. Yes, hi, is this Bill? Yes, it is. Bill, hi, how are you? Go ahead. Well, I'm a soccer mom, and I got, um, well, we were at the soccer tournament championship game, and um, the opposite uh, side of the parent, the daughter was, um, you know, ejected because due to red card. And she went in the field, which we're not supposed to, and she started yelling and cursing at the ref. Once the ref turned around, left ref, referee left the field. She turned around and she went towards our girls, cursing at them. Nobody did anything. Not the general manager, not the coach, not even the referee. And that's when I said, uh, leave our children alone. And then I said, get your ass off the field. And then I got mugged by three members of the family, which was the mom. Oh, okay. So what? I got it. All right. Was her, what's, yes, your, what's, your, what's your question? My question is, um, then there was a meeting by the club. They came, the president came, everybody. And they said the referee was at fault. The referee should have stopped. I want to see who is responsible. The for people, this. the people I that hit you, them. the people that hit you, Greta, the, the the woman who assaulted you. Did you call the police? We did. We did. They took. Uh, they did take um, action. Um, they they arrest her. The district attorney is uh, filing okay. suit against them. All right. But is the club responsible? No, not really. Because you're arguing that uh, he somehow is responsible by not making sure that she got off. What, assuming that he that he made sure she wasn't on the field, what would stop them from coming back and hitting you anyway? 
Yeah, but the, it was their tournament, and the it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't protect the kids. I don't think so. I don't think they're there to protect the kids against someone jumping into the field and assaulting someone. That's not what they do. I don't think there's any responsibility on behalf of the referees, and it doesn't matter that uh, the organization said the referees at fault because go ahead and bring that into court because that doesn't matter. It's a legal issue. And therefore, uh, I think what you have is you have the assault, and you can uh, and you you go after the mom. But what do you want, Greta? Do you want money? Um, no, no, I don't want money. Then no, what do you want? I, it's not money issue. Then what do you want? Now, uh, well, what it is now, the club did not take my daughter back because what I did. All I did was derive, d- divert her attention away from the kids. I didn't even know they were going to attack me. Right, wait a sec. What did you do? The... What did you do other than well, say get your... Well, my, my kid has been with the club for three years. Yeah, what now, did you do? Trial, they're saying she's not qualified because of um, competitive, um, due to the competitive, uh, um, she's not qualified to join the team again. All right, well, I Greta... Know that's not the case. Then you don't hire a lawyer and sue the team to have her reinstated, and that's going to cost you a few thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah, at what point do you simply go to another club? Uh, you know, it's, it, is she entitled to come back? Probably. Can you force it? No. This is Handle on the Law.